Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. So thank you for tuning in to Chop at the Bit. This is going to be episode number 61. I am Kyle Edwards, of course. And we're going to go ahead and in this episode get into day two of my NBA preview. Uh, day one, last night, went over the ESPN Top 100 Players list. You know, kind of went through it. And, you know, was surprised by some players' rankings. And you know, some were ranked a little too high for me. Some were ranked too low. Uh, I did go into whole James Harden being in the top ten. I was a little iffy on that, but you know, if you want to get into all that, check out the previous episode after you're done listening to this one, of course. But um, this one, we're going to take a look at uh, each NBA team and their duo. Because as I said last night's episode, you know, more teams are going with a top two pairing and then kind of filling out their roster to support those players. We are kind of out of the whole, like, super team. Well, I guess you can have a super team with a duo, but more of the big three kind of error. Remember you had the Heatles, as they call themselves, with uh, LeBron, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. You had the Celtics big three. KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. You had the Spurs with Duncan, Ginobili, Parker. You know, and that was kind of the thing around the league. Well, I will say that the talent has been split up amongst the league more evenly now. So, you know, the good teams have a really good top tier duo. And then they have their, as Shaq would call them, others or the role players or whatever that, you know, supplement them. So, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and take a look at, the, look at the 30 duos in the league. And, of course, some teams have better duos than others. So, we'll just take a look at that. A uh, quick insight on each duo to kind of, um, I guess, give you, you know, if you're a fan of that team, what to look for. It's kind of like a pros and cons on the duo. Certain pairings that may not even make it through the season together. And kind of doing it in a way where I'm basically like buying or selling on that duo going forward. And once again, take it from kind of a fan of that team's perspective. So I'll try to be as unbiased with those as I can. Can't promise anything. Uh, Of course, end of the episode, we'll look ahead to what's to come in day three of our NBA preview. We're getting close to the start of the season. I know, you know, they said it was the offseason was only 71 days, but I am excited for this season. I think this season could very well be just as exciting as last year's bubble experience was. Um, I do think that, you know, East and the West 
are kind of unpredictable this year. A lot of things can happen, which could change certain teams' footing within the conferences. You know, we'll get into that more through this preview week. But um, first off, uh, first off, gonna have to take a look at NBA news and notes. And for today, there's only kind of one news story that's been out there. I don't know if you heard, but Gordon Hayward, remember, offseason, had that whole thing with the Celtics. He wanted to leave. They granted him his wish. He's with the Hornets. Uh, so he got into the preseason game last night, got some action in, and he ended up fracturing his pinky finger on his shooting hand, which, you know, for me, Celtics fan, other Celtics fans, you've kind of heard this story with Hayward. Um, you know, he he's playing, seems to be looking pretty good, and then something always seems to happen to him. I mean, we all know about the leg and ankle injury. Everybody knows about that one. But outside of that, you know, it seemed like every time he was sort of rounding into his own, it'd always be something. We saw last year in the bubble, the grade three ankle sprain. And, you know, that kept him out for a few weeks. Just as he was getting uh, kind of showing a little bit of that, you know, Utah, Hayward, but ultimately didn't work. And now he's kicking off his Charlotte tenure with the nagging injury of the finger. Uh, they called it a avulsion fracture, which if you're like me, you probably had no idea what that means. I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm no doctor. So I did look it up. Basically, it's like almost a dislocation type thing more than a fracture but I guess they call it a fracture because like the bone and ligament kind of go opposite directions pulls yeah pulls the bone either way it's actually not that serious of injury it's um I believe the team is saying it's kind of going to depend on Hayward's tolerance for pain because it's going to be like swelling bruising in the finger Maybe limited range of motion. I mean, he's on his shooting hand. And it kind of will just be how effective can he be with the finger. So, not that serious of a thing. Probably shouldn't miss too much time. But it's just another injury to add to his list of injuries the past these past few years. So, hopefully he can kind of make it through the year relatively healthy. I mean, you don't want to see a guy go through... You know, his career just dealing with injury after injury. So hopefully Hayward can come back from it and, you know, give the Hornets something to cheer about this season. Um, you know, they made some moves in the offseason. He was, of course, the biggest move that they made. So they're going to be relying on him for a lot. Uh, but, you know, that's like I said, that was kind of the biggest story in the NBA today. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into this uh, duos list. Um, I am interested to see who, you know, they put as some teams actually uh, actual duo. Because some teams, not really sure. It could be for a variety of reasons. It could be like a completely new team come together. 
could be a relatively young team and then picking two guys to be the duo, but we'll see. So, like I said, go ahead and get into this list. And the first duo they list at number 30, the Knicks duo of R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson. Now, the Knicks are a team that's kind of full of young guys. You probably could have picked a couple of them. I guess probably the only other person you might have picked was Obi Toppin, but you know, as a rookie, kind of see how he fits with the guys there. So Toppin may become the duo next year, but RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, I get it. You have your guard big man combo. Like I said, both are young. Uh, I think RJ Barrett has a lot to show still. Um, I think he needs to show like a consistency in terms of shooting from the outside, uh, being a floor general, he does have to be better. Robinson is a defense first type of guy. You know, he's a great rim protector. Um, he can, you know, handle his own on pick and roll defense, which is a big thing for big men in the league today. Uh, it will be interesting to see how the two of them work with their new coach and uh, Tom Thibodeau. You know, he's a guy that does like to have athletic bigs along with a athletic uh, guard. So, you know, maybe he can get uh, a little more out of Barrett and Robinson. And who knows, the Knicks could at least have something to build for in the future. I do think that's one of the problems with the Knicks right now is to a lot of fans, they're not really sure what direction the team's going in. So if Barrett and Robinson can take a leap forward this year. At least I can give them somewhat of a direction. Number 29, they have Andre Drummond, Kevin Love. Uh, I kind of think if you're a Cavs fan, that is the likely problem because he was getting up there in age. Drummond is leading, but it doesn't really give you too much hope in terms of championship down the line like soon you would like to see you know Colin Sexton their high draft pick from a couple years ago you know jump up into that role maybe with like Sexton and Drummond Kevin loves a guy who there's a good chance he might be moved around the trade deadline because you know the Cavs aren't going to be competing this year there's going to be a lot of contenders out there who would love to have a guy who, you know, at his peak was a double-double guy. But even now in his later years, he's a guy who can stretch the floor. He can still get you some rebounds. Great, you know, outlet passer on fast breaks. So, so yeah, this is kind of a short-lived duo, I think. Because as Sexton continues to develop, hopefully the way Cleveland would want, Sexton would be the duo for Cleveland with Drummond going forward the next couple of years. Uh, 28, they have LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward, who we just mentioned is hurt right now. But, I mean, it's the obvious choice where Hayward is their prized free agent. You know, they're giving him four years, 120. A lot of people don't see that as you know, as Hayward being worthy of a contract like that, especially since he hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy the past couple of years. But 
for Charlotte. Not a big free agent destination. It's a move they had to make. And then once they brought him in, you know, with the draft, they drafted third. So they were kind of left uh, taking the one that was available out of Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball. They got LaMelo Ball. I mean, seeing him so far in the preseason, Ball has shown with kind of the same skill set as Lonzo does. Great passer. Shot leaves a lot to be desired. And at least in LaMelo's case, uh, he does need to get better defensively. But you can see with his height, his length, that if he does commit to defense, he could be a decent defender, which on that team could help them get easy baskets out in the break. Hayward's a guy who can run the wing, you know, get you easy points of the rim. Or in a trailing fashion, he can trail the play, knock down the open three. So for Charlotte, you got to look at it with Hayward there the next four years. For the next four years, these two could develop into a you know decent enough duo that depending on the other pieces around right now, they have, you know, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier type guys, uh, was it PJ Washington, Bridges, who's their super athletic wing. You know, they're a team that coming into this year should be in the mix for probably like the play-in tournament for the playoffs. Maybe it was like a 9-10 seed. So, you know, something for the Hornets fans to look forward to there. Moving along, 27, Vucevic and Fournier. Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier of the Magic. The Magic are another team where... Uh, I think the fan base is kind of starting to wonder where exactly they're going. I mean, Vucevic and Fournier are probably the two best guys on that team. But this is another pairing that I could see being broken up around the trade deadline. Vucevic is a guy who, well, probably Fournier more so is a guy that, you know, he could be moved around the trade deadline as... I do think the Magic are slowly getting to that point where they may need to hit a mini reset button to try to get out of that uh, eight, nine type uh, peg in the Eastern Conference. Because, of course, no team wants to play for just eight or nine. You do want to be be able to grow into something more. You know, they have some young guys like Mo Bamba on that team who does need to stay healthy, Jonathan Isaac, guys like that. And yeah, so this is a pairing that probably will get split up at some point this year to try to bring in more assets to probably, like I said, reset that team a little bit. Like I said, they'll probably be within that play-in tournament. So, you know, probably another... Uh, eight seed early exit in the playoffs this year. 26, Buddy Heel, Darren Fox of the Kings. This is a duo that I do find intriguing. Uh, I'm a big fan of Darren Fox. Uh, I know the the year when he came out with Lonzo Ball, 
I did think the Lakers were going to go De'Aaron Fox. They chose to go Lonzo Ball, which I thought was a big mistake because I like Fox's game way more than Ball. And as we've seen so far, Fox has been the better pro. Healed. Um, I think he's an interesting case with the Kings because I don't know how he fits into their plans going forward. Because you would think with you know Fox a up-and-coming point guard in the league who has all the skills you need. You would want to pair him with a uh, no-volume three-point shooter who can like fill that wing on the fast break. But I don't know. It kind of seems like certain times in the year, Buddy Hill kind of falls off on production. And I don't know how the whole dynamic with him and Lou Walton is fitting over there in Sacramento. So, this is a duo that should work going forward, but I don't know if Heald is in their long-term plans for some reason. But I do think this year, they are a duo that with the playing tournament, they should be definitely within, you know, that tournament itself. But with if things break right for them, you know, they could be a team that is in that like seven, eight spot, which I mean, they'd still be in the playing tournament, but at least they would be kind of securely going into it as a favorite to come out of it. And that's where I kind of see Sacramento trending towards this year. I know the West is tough, but I think at some point Fox, you know, should be mature enough been in the league for a couple of years now that some of the how powerful is cox internet so powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard get gig speeds powered by fiber from cox it's internet built for tomorrow today Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Mistakes that were made first couple of years in the league that would cost them a lot of close games or whatever that maybe now they can start winning some of them. So I am in on this duo i get why they're ranked 26 but they should be a duo on the rise 25 they have shay gildas alexander and al horford i mean that's probably the biggest sign right there of a team that's in a rebuild because you know horford had his time with the hawks played well i guess kind of flamed out at the end there Moved on, went to the Celtics, started off well, then had some inconsistencies. He fell out of favor there. Went to Philly, was there for one year, went there in big money, and Philly 
could not get rid of him quick enough. And now he's in Oklahoma City where you take a look at that roster. You're not going to realize, not realize, recognize a lot of the names there because there's no Adams there anymore. No Gallinari, no Paul. Uh, So I do. I mean, I guess these two are the best two on that team. Once again, this is a duo you can't really get behind going forward for the next couple of years because, I mean, I don't know what Horford's status is there. I don't think he's a part of their rebuild, of course, but I do think he's a guy that they're going to hope to get some production out of that maybe they can turn around and flip him for draft picks or maybe younger assets to pair with Gildas Alexander, who is an up-and-coming young guard in this league. He's once again, has the tools. You know, he's pretty good offensively. Defensively, he has the height, length at his position. So, best case there is Horford plays really well, plays out of his mind, is a great pick-and-roll partner for Alexander. Because Horford, you know, he has that set shot three that he's really worked on and can make at like a 35, 37% clip, which is perfect. So definitely a duo that I that I think you probably should, could keep your eye on because it could go a couple of ways with this one. 24, you got Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin. I mean, I guess that kind of tells you the state of the Pistons. Blake Griffin hasn't been healthy in probably two years. Derrick Rose went all of those years where he wasn't himself. He's kind of remade his career these past couple of years as a you know older, kind of more, I guess, wiser player. He realizes he doesn't have to go diving at the rim putting himself at risk he's you know developed a mid-range game and he even will knock down some threes for you so rose is one of those guys who has developed his game over the years i'm happy to see it because you know when he first came to the league i mean he was as athletic as anybody then he started getting like the leg injuries which really cut down on some of his athleticism so for detroit best thing you can hope for here is Griffin gets through the year healthy Um, Derrick Rose continues to stay healthy and maybe with those two once again you're in the play-in tournament you get there who knows what happens worst case Griffin gets some nagging injuries Maybe the Pistons look to move on from him. And I mean, I think at a certain point, the Pistons will go with a reset because they have been a disappointing team the past couple of years. Uh, It's been like three, four years where every year you hear like the Pistons are that dangerous team that's lurking and it never amounts to anything. So Detroit, that's what you got. Um, 23 Zach Levine Laurie Markkinen from the Bulls this is a duo 
both players are still very young. Uh, Markinen is a little younger. They have a new coach with Billy Donovan. Interesting to see what Donovan can bring to these two. Because the past couple of years, it's been... Uh, Markinen's kind of been in somewhat of a doghouse in Chicago. Because I don't think he's coming along as well as management there would like. But they do recognize that there is a there is some talent there. Levine, we know the um, great dunker. But he has shown Pascal Lears that he is more than that. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. He... You know, he's not a great defender, but he is. I mean, he tries on defense. He'll get you steals. Like I said, knocked down three. He can make plays off the dribble because he has good handles. So this is probably a big year for these two because if it's another year where the Bulls, you know, are, you know, they, they don't even make the playing tournament. They're one of the bottom feeders in the East. Then I think the question is going to have to become, do you move Levine for assets or maybe you try to flip Markinen, hoping maybe a change of scenery helps him because maybe it's not going to work in Chicago with him. So big year, especially in uh, Billy Donovan's first year for those two. 22, we got Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell with the Timberwolves. Uh, they just added... Um, Anthony Edwards to these two so interesting to see how that works the biggest issue between Towns and Russell defensively they are both below average Um, which I mean it's kind of saying something because you would like to see Carl Anthony Towns be somewhat like a I for his height and athleticism You'd like to see him be kind of like a Rudy Gobert defensively. Gets a lot of rebounds, affects a lot of shots at the rim, and kind of keeps guys at least in front of him. For some reason, he... I mean, he's not that good defensively. Only thing is, he kind of makes up for it with his offensive skill set where he can post you up. Uh, He can shoot mid-range, and he'll shoot the three. D'Angelo Russell, we know he can fill it up offensively, but he'll give up just as much defensively. I mean, hopefully, hopefully they have some improvement defensively, which would be a big deal for Minnesota and help them going forward. Anthony Edwards should help. You know, he can kind of fill, well, hopefully he can fill that void that like Butler when Butler left, went away with him. Wing guy who can get you buckets. Wiggins, the guy that they wanted him to be, who he never could become. Hopefully, Edwards is that guy who can step in and help these two, you know, give Minnesota a shot at the playoffs. Once again, they'll probably be a team that will be buying for that play-in tournament. 21, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge at the Spurs. This duo, I I kind of see probably 25% chance that the two of them make it through the year in San Antonio. 
I think Aldridge will be a player that the Spurs will get a lot of calls about come trade deadline. DeRozan. I mean, I think DeRozan's a guy that they will probably keep. The problem is that both players are kind of mid-range players and in this NBA with like 3 and D type guys space the floor the two of them kind of are redundant so the offense can't get bogged down because with neither one of them being capable three-point shooters the defenses can sag in and clog the lane which is no good for them or the guys around them so so yeah um, I wouldn't be surprised if Popovich moves one maybe both but I think DeRozan has more of a chance of staying because Aldridge is getting up there so I think Aldridge will probably be moved now to the top 20 you got John Morant Jaron Jackson I've already brought excitement to Memphis so they're already trending in the right direction the only thing would be Jaron Jackson uh, was hurt last year. I think he's going to start this year a little hurt, but he should be back early on in the season. And John Morant just has to keep, you know, continuing his growth in the NBA. And these two are definitely a pairing that should have Memphis in the playoff picture for the next few years to come. And then depending on moves made around them, you know, they could sneak up into, you know, like I said, depending on the other teams in the West, you know, they could be a team that could be in that 6-7 type area. But definitely the future is bright in Memphis as long as these two guys stay healthy. 19, you got Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon in Indiana with the Pacers. Now, you would think that Oladipo would be a part of the duo, but I think Oladipo, with his past couple years of injuries, has really hurt his play. And Brogdon, kind of during that time, has really stepped his game up in Indiana, has become their kind of go-to scorer offensively. Sabonis, he shares the front court with Miles Turner, but Sabonis is the guy who does more than Turner. Sabonis is a great rebounder offensively and defensively. He can play in the pick and roll game, which Turner can too, but it you can tell that Sabonis is more active than Turner and is more consistent than Miles Turner. So I get why he's a part of the duo of Brogdon as well. Indiana is kind of a team that's, um, you know, for the past few years, they've been kind of mired in that four, five, six spot in the East. And with the talent that's there, you could, you like, you know that they're not talented enough to move up into the top three, but they're also not bad enough to move down to like seven, eight, nine area. So they kind of are what they are. Like I said, four, five, and six, depending on matchups, maybe they can get you a first round win. But that's kind of as far as this mix. That's probably the ceiling for this mix right now. So, which is why you could see why Indiana was going after Hayward in the offseason to just try to change it up a little bit. So, 
Indiana is a team to watch probably around the trade deadline, looking to make some type of move there to just just refresh it a little bit. 18, got Trey Young, John Collins. Uh, I've talked about on here. I am in the Atlanta area, so I see these two a lot. Uh, I do think by the probably the midpoint of the season, this pairing probably won't even be the top duo for the team. I have a sneaky feeling it's probably going to be like Trey Young and Gallinari that become the two best players on the team. But John Collins is a guy who past couple of years you've heard a lot in trade talks as you know the Hawks kind of I think they're kind of waiting on Collins to take that next step kind of seems like he doesn't really have a next step to take so with that and you have Trey Young who's still very young I mean he's a guy who has areas in his game that he definitely needs to fix most notably defensively because he still is not a good defender and plus in today's NBA there's a lot of guards that are big offensive pieces for their team so if Trey Young can't keep those guys out of the paint kind of leads to a lot of the struggles with the Hawks and the Hawks have made all these moves this offseason so clearly they're they're expecting to make the playoffs this year once again, at least the play-in tournament. And if they're going to do that, then they're going to need Trey Young to take a step where, you know, he doesn't launch so many of those, like, Steph Curry threes that he can make on occasion. But I feel like he takes way too many of them throughout the, the game. If he can cut back on that, get more into playmaking, then I think the Hawks may have something going for them this year. Um... So they should at least be in the playing tournament. If it completely bottoms out again and you find them picking in the top like five, serious questions need to be asked about this team. I mean, you don't bring in Gallinari, Bogdanovich. You have Capella who's going to be playing this year. Um, they just drafted Okongwu. Uh, they brought Chris Dunn in to help with the backcourt defense because like I said Trey Young struggles so you have Dunn and that's Dunn's one specialty is defense so so yeah the the Hawks have made the moves now it's up to Young we'll say Collins for now to take a step uh, forward and make it happen 17 is the new duo of Devin Booker and Chris Paul with the Phoenix Suns. I mean, what is there to say about this duo? Booker is one of the most gifted offensive players in the league. He can score from you know any position. He'll post up on occasion. He can kill you in the mid-range. He's a deadly three-point shooter. I mean, I saw it firsthand when he went into Boston, dropped 70 points, so he can fill it up. Chris Paul is the, I guess, veteran leader that that team needed because it was a very young team. So Paul come in, does, you know, give them a voice to listen to out on the floor. And they know that he's been there. 
He's done that. I mean, he's never gotten over the hump to a championship level. But that doesn't matter with this team because this team is just trying to make that first step into the playoffs. Um, This is a year where the Suns should make the playoffs. But we will have to see because, you know, they have Aiden, DeAndre Aiden there, um, who's kind of the third wheel there. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. This episode is made possible by PwC. When you put the right tech in the hands of the right people, good things happen. It powers change. It accelerates innovation. It keeps you a step ahead. Our community of solvers brings the right tech to drive real results. Learn more at thenewequation.com. So, should be an exciting duo. And for Phoenix, should give them some playoff basketball this year, which they haven't seen in a while. So, you know, going forward, you know, Chris Paul is getting up there in years. So, at least for like the next two, three years, this is a duo you could see making some things happen in Phoenix. Not championship level, but at least being a steady playoff participant. 16, got Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. I mean, Brandon Ingram last year, I thought really came into his own. He, you know, showed that in crunch time, when the Pelicans need a bucket, they can get him the ball, get out of his way. He can make a move, get to his spots. He can get you a bucket. Um, If you're running the offense through Zion, Ingram can spot up, knock down the three. He can cut off the backside, get to the rim. Um, He's he's become a good defender. At least when he wants to. He does have some lapses where, you know, he he can kind of let guys get by him a little easily. But, you know, with his frame, he's a tall guy. He's got long arms. He can be, he can create some havoc defensively. Zion, we know, big thing with him is health. Um, you know, a lot of the analysts say that Zion could probably lose a few pounds here to help. But, you know, for him, for a guy as big as he is, he's also crazy athletic. Um, he does need to develop more of a game outside of around the rim because we know around the rim he's kind of unstoppable but as defenses kind of play off of him and force him out into the mid-range you know he has to become comfortable enough to face up and take those jumpers and make them I'm not saying he has to go out to the three-point line at least not yet he probably will at some point have to get out there but this year, I think the focus for him should be to become a mid-range pull-up type guy. Kind of like with Zach Randolph, where he would post up in the high post, turn, face the defender, and knock down the jumper. 
But yeah, the Pelicans you can see are building towards something. So this is a duel you can buy going forward. 15. Okay, we got Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam. This duo did not have the best season last year, especially come the bubble playoffs. I mean, Siakam completely fell off a cliff, got thoroughly outplayed in that Boston series. And I mentioned on here before, remember the funny thing about that was going into that series was all about who would you rather have, Pascal Siakam or Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, one of those two that they put in there. By the end of that series, that question was laughed at because it was clearly the Boston player because Siakam couldn't buy a bucket. He couldn't really stick with Tatum or Brown defensively, and he found himself in foul trouble a lot. Kyle Lowry, last we saw of him, he fouled out of Game 7, and you know Lowry is getting up there. I do think you could probably replace Lowry with Van Vliet as he is the guy that they clearly have shown as their future. Lowry is on you know, he's he's on his last legs in his career. I mean, he is a steady presence. Um, Because you know what you're getting out of him. He's a hard-nosed point guard. Uh, He does tend to fall in love with flopping around a lot, but... He's a guy who will do whatever he can to try to help them win. So, And for the Raptors this year, there's kind of a wide range for them. Some people think they could be a 2-3 seed in the East. Some people think they're going to fall back to maybe 5 or 6. Have to see. 14, we've got Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. This is an interesting duo because I think the Jazz will have some pressure on them this year. Uh, I do think there's an expectation with the Jazz this year to be a top um, definitely a top four team, which they've kind of been the past couple of years, but I think especially after last year's showing from Mitchell in that first round series against uh, Jamal Murray in Denver, where Mitchell was putting up crazy numbers there's going to be an expectation that he's going to do that of course he's not going to score 50 nightly but be a guy who can give them 25 28 points a game go bear you know what he is he's their defensive stopper and uh what was the rim protector he also fills the lane on fast breaks i would like to see go bear develop a little more offensively it you know, it seems like all of his offense is off of putback dunks, offensive rebounds, or pick and roll, lob at the rim. You would like to see it where, you know, if the play breaks down a little bit, they can call him out in the box, throw it into him, and he could give you something. Whether it's like a half hook or a face-up little short jumper. So that's probably the next step for Gobert. But yeah, this is definitely a duo that you know can uh, consistently be top four in the West. Thirteen got Dame Dollar, uh, Lillard, 
CJ McCollum, Portland Trail Blazers. The Blazers are a team that I think analysts are just waiting for when the Blazers make a serious run in the playoffs. Uh, it was what? Was it two years ago when they made like might have been three years ago when they made the Western Conference Finals, and I think once they got to that point, the uh, thought was with Lillard, McCollum, the tandem of Nurkic and Collins as the big men, that the Blazers would be a team that would be in that position regularly. Well, hasn't really happened. You know, last year they struggled out of the gate, got to the playing tournament, made their way into the playoffs, gave the Lakers a run, but ultimately lost that series. I mean, they brought Carmelo back. We'll have to see. I mean, they're probably doing it the right way. They're bringing Melo back on a one-year deal just to see if Melo can give them, you know, something again this year. But... The Blazers are a team that I would be surprised if they are struggling like to get into the playing tournament this year. I mean, ultimately, they may end up in the playing tournament, but I would expect them to be there as more of a 7-8 seed type. But all things considered, the Blazers could very well be a 6 seed in the West. You know, some of those teams in that 6, 7, 8 nine area are very interchangeable so I would not be surprised if the Blazers were as high as six this year 12 you got Luka Doncic Chris Stats Porzingis down in Dallas Uh, this duo you probably won't see early on in the year as Porzingis is hurt but um, when Porzingis does get back if he can stay healthy Doncic and Porzingis is a formidable duo in the West because you have Doncic, who's the do-it-all uh, point guard, which I should have mentioned with the well, some of the Hawks with Trey Young. Remember, Doncic was the pick, but they traded it for Trey Young, so the two of them will always be linked. But Doncic is the guy that I did want for the Hawks. I, I mean, I knew he wasn't the bigger name, but just watching, you know, highlights and all that of him, you could tell he was a special player. He showed it in the bubble. So coming into this year, he's going to be looked at as, you know, maybe a guy who can get up into the MVP conversation. Have to see. But um, between he and Porzingis, I mean, you know, Porzingis is what, seven foot tall? can run the floor like a uh, I mean smaller wing player uh, he can rebound the ball really well he can protect the rim a little bit but you know the he and Doncic that pick and roll game it is a thing to watch because it leaves defenses trying to guard against different you know aspects because Porzingis can roll to the hoop finish at the rim he can step back shoot the three he can fade shoot the mid-range if you don't get up on Doncic you know Doncic isn't the most athletic but he's very he's very strong at his position so 
He can roll off the pick and roll, get to the hoop, finish in traffic. He can step back, hit the three. So the two of them make it tough on defenses. Just have to wait for Porzingis to get back healthy. 11. Uh, it's uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown from my Celtics. Um, what is there to say about this duo? They're both. I mean, what? Uh, I think Jalen Brown is what 23, Tatum's 22. They've already made leaps in their game. Still have some room to improve. We've heard the story about Tatum still growing. Supposedly he's 6'10". A lot of people don't believe it, but I think that's what the Celtics have listed him as. And like I said, supposedly they're saying he's still growing, so who knows what becomes of that. Brown has probably shown some of the most of the most development from his kind of draft class going forward. Um, he's developed a three-point game. He's developed his handles. He can always finish around the rim. Defensively, he's great defensively. Tatum has improved defensively. So, and they're both there for the next four or five years together. I mean, there's going to be expectations at some point that two of them get the Celtics into a finals, but I do think that's relatively doable with these two as long as they continue to grow and, you know, continue to kind of round the edges on their game. 10, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. This duo's probably is probably the most interesting one on this list because apart they're both very talented my question is as a duo how good are they um they both need to play in the lane I mean Embiid shoots the three way better than Simmons because we just don't see Simmons shoot enough from the outside we all know why he doesn't, because he can't. But every year we hear that he's working on it, so I don't know if at some point he just kind of takes the reins off, starts shooting threes and deep mid-range shots. But as of right now, the two of them kind of get in each other's way at times when uh, they get into the half court especially like playoff time when the opposition gets better. The two of them uh, kind of cause trouble for each other because Simmons for, you know, all of his um, athleticism, he likes hanging out around the rim, which at times forces Embiid to just kind of sit out on the outside, which defensively, if you can keep Embiid away from the hoop all game, you will take that because you know he's not going to sit there and knock down 45, 50% of his threes. And he'll give you like two for 10 nights from three, which you'll take. And Simmons, for all of his playing around the rim, he's not that good of a free throw shooter. So you put him on the line a lot of times. He only shoots like 65%. So Doc Rivers has a lot on his hands with these two to try to get the best out of them. But this is a probably a make or break year for this duo. Uh, if they don't get it done and they have like an 
you know, one and done type thing in the playoffs. Simmons may be gone. Of course, Simmons is already being talked about. Possible James Harden trade. So he may not be in Philly by the end of the year anyway. So I guess there's a duo to watch there. Nine, you have Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins. It would normally be Clay Thompson, but we all know Clay Thompson's out for the year again. Uh, well, not again. I mean, he's out for the year, but he hurt himself rehabbing back from the injury he sustained in those finals against the Raptors. Wiggins is a guy who's underperformed all of his career, so hopefully with him being thrust in kind of the number two role behind Steph Curry, that lights some type of fire in him, and he becomes the player that you know, a lot of the analysts would love him to turn out to be, you know, a guy who can, he can knock down an open three, but he's more of the, your slasher finishing, finishing at the rim type, which plays well off of Curry because as defenses are, uh, keying in on Curry out beyond the three point line, Wiggins is the guy who could take advantage of those open spaces and get easy baskets. Eight, we have Harden and John Wall. Could be a little high for this duo, only because I don't know what John Wall is, as he hasn't played in two years. I mean, I know he showed a little bit in the first preseason game, but it's a preseason game. I'm not going to read too much into it. Um, But I don't know how Wall plays off of Harden. Because Harden's ball dominant, Wall needs the ball to be the most effective. And Wall isn't exactly your stereotypical catch-and-shoot player. So, so yeah, I want to see what was it Coach Silas does with the two of them down there. So, I will say they're probably the most intriguing duo. Because, like I said, you don't know what's going to happen between the two of them. So... Definitely something to watch. Number seven, we got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Interesting enough that they put the Wizards duo ahead of the Rockets duo as Westbrook and Wall were traded for each other. Um, Another interesting pairing. I do think Westbrook and Beal will work better than Hart. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day... Your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. This episode is made possible by PWC. When you put the right tech in the hands of the right people, good things happen. It powers change. It accelerates innovation. It keeps you a step ahead. Our community of solvers brings the right tech to drive real results. It all adds up to the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. In the wall, Westbrook, you know, he gives you... He goes 100 miles an hour. He gives you everything he's got. Uh, 
Washington would love to see him get back to his triple-double days. I don't know if he can because in order for him to do that, it might take a little bit away from Bradley Beal and his, you know, offensive, I guess, efficiency. But I, I do think that the two of them will work better with each other. Like I said, then Hall, I mean, not Hall, Wall and Harden. Westbrook is a willing and able guy to play off the ball. Uh, I mean, his range is limited to mid-range and in, but at least off the ball, he can back cut and all that kind of stuff. But if you reverse the roles, have Westbrook with the ball in his hand, Bradley Beal is perfect off the ball for him. So, I mean, for Washington, these two should have them vying for a playoff spot this year. Six, you got Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo in Miami. Um... This one is, you know, solely based off of what they did last year. You know, they made that run to the finals, gave the Lakers a good run. You know, they lost in six. Autobio got paid. Have to see how he does once he gets his money. Will he still be the same uh, freakish athlete around the rim? You know, blocking shots, affecting shots, offensive rebounding, defensive rebound. Uh, offensively, he can work mid-range and in. Uh, he's great pick and roll because, like I said, he can knock down mid-range shot. But he's even better rolling to the rim, finishing at the rim. Butler, we know, is the heart and soul of that Heat team. You know, he gives them their defensive identity with his toughness. And then offensively, he lives for the moment where he can knock down big shots late. So, you know, the Heat are looking to get right back to the finals after last year coming up short. Um, Of course, you know, they have their other parts with Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, uh, Goran Dragic, who's back. So, so yeah, big things are expected for the two of them. Number five, we're now into the top five. Uh, We have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. This duo... I don't know what to expect. You know, I saw the first preseason game. Durant looked athletic. He looked like he had his full range. But you never know after coming off an Achilles injury. See how he holds up with the wear and tear of a, not a full schedule because they're not playing 82 this year, but a 72 game schedule still a lot. With travel and all that involved. Let's see how Durant holds up come second half of the year. Kyrie is Kyrie. Gifted player on the court. Makes you want to rip your hair out off the court. With stuff that he says in the media and all that kind of stuff. The way he tends to act towards certain players. Because he's one of those who seems like he will... You know, hang out with some players, but not others. He can create some divisiveness in locker rooms. Um, we saw it happen in Boston. We all know in Cleveland uh, became a story of like him versus LeBron and all this kind of stuff. So have to see what he does in Brooklyn with Durant. Don't know the dynamic of those two, how 
close they are or anything like that. I mean, Durant is a guy who can take a backseat when needed, but ultimately, end of game situations, you figure Durant's going to be the guy. Can Kyrie handle that? I don't know. That's definitely something to see. What what can Steve Nash do with these two? I mean, both of them are already talking about kind of like downplaying Nash's influence, which I think is a dangerous game to play, but I mean, we'll see. They're both guys who tend to have rabbit ears, you know, pay attention to a lot of stuff the media says about them. We'll see ultimately what that does for the duo. Does it split them apart? Bring them together? Are they able to get Brooklyn to championship contender in year one together? Have to see. Four, you got Giannis Attentacumpo and Chris Middleton. Giannis, we know, just got his money. Middleton is the sharpshooter. Um... I kind of think they are what they are. You know, they're, they'll probably be the one, two, three seed in the East regular season. But that's not the problem. The problem has become with Budenholzer at the head, at the helm there. What can they do playoff-wise? They're kind of a... They're a team that doesn't really adapt well to the playoff atmosphere where it's seven games... It's the same team, so you kind of have to make some adaptations to your game to throw the other team off. These two have shown they're not exactly the best at that because they are what they are. I mean, if Giannis does continue to develop his outside shot, that definitely works more, you know, into helping them get over the hump and get into the finals because of that kind of money you sign Giannis to. For the next five years or so, you would hope you can get a ring there, and that will fall on these two to help the Bucks. I will still say Boonholzer is the wrong guy to be the coach, but I don't make decisions in Milwaukee. But I mean, going forward, these two should be. I mean, they they should be a to buy. Of course, they're both both players are. Still relatively young, so definitely a duo to watch next few years. Three, you have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray out in Denver. Murray had a great bubble. You know, he comes into this season with a lot of eyes on him to see if he can continue that performance. Jokic, I mean, I just love watching Jokic play. He's he's fun to watch, you know. He can, he could give you the flash and all that with his passing ability. He can knock down the three. He'll usually, he won't take a lot of them, but he'll take the big ones and most of the time make them. He's not the most athletic guy. I mean, he isn't, but he just finds a way to get it done. Defensively, you assume that he's too slow to guard anybody. But he seems to be able to. Um, Like I said, he's not the best defender. But he's also not to the point where you have to get him off the floor. He can make free throws. Uh, He can bring the ball up. He can do all that. So, 
To me, he's the best big man in the league. Of course, there's some questions with like Anthony Davis and all that, but but Jokic is fun to watch. Murray, I think, really took a big step in the bubble. But now the thing is, can he do that in a regular atmosphere where, you know, say come playoff time, you know, it's like a game three, game four, uh, you're in L.A. or Utah or something, and, you know, team is struggling. Can he take over, you know, give them like 10, 12 points in a row, get them back in the game or kind of lead them forward? Or was it just that the whole bubble atmosphere was, you know, I guess, conducive to him and he really shined there and now he falls back to earth now that they're back into a regular uh, like NBA schedule. But yeah, definitely a duo you can buy going forward. They're both still young. Um, both of them are still coming into their own. You know, Jokic were able to maybe drop a couple of pounds here, get a little bit quicker laterally and all that, they could be a very dangerous duo going forward. Now, number two, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with the Clippers. So now you've replaced Doc Rivers with Ty Lue. They're coming off that embarrassing performance in the bubble where uh, I'm I mean, the last image we have that we can really remember was Paul George in a moment where the Clippers were kind of fading and he hit like the side of the backboard with a three, which kind of lets you know how that series is going to go. And the Clippers had a unceremoniously bad, I guess, exit from the playoffs. And that was a lot of questions there. Is Paul George a legit number two on a championship team? Or is he a guy who can be the best player on a middle-of-the-road team and put up numbers? With pressure on him, can he perform the clutch? Kawhi, how long is Kawhi going to be there? How committed is he? Is this a thing where he kind of just bounces around from team to team like every two years or so? I don't know. I I do think the two of them, I mean, Paul George has come out and said he wants to be a Clipper for life. We know Kawhi is a Southern California kid. So I think he said he was a Clippers fan growing up. So you would think these two would be uh, linked with the Clippers going forward and if they can get it together they are definitely a duo that can lead a team you know to the title I mean Kawhi did it just a couple of years ago in Toronto so Clippers fans are hoping he can have the same effect in LA which would be humongous for a Clippers franchise that's been seen as a loser most of his exist of his uh, of its existence but um, they're they're slowly turning it around. I mean, Balmer, their owner, fun to watch on the sideline. You know, he's really trying to change the culture there. I mean, so much he's looking to build an arena away from the Lakers, so they're not sharing a building anymore, which I think will be great for the brand. 
but they would love to pair that with a banner to put into that new building. And then that, of course, leaves the number one duo on the list here, LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, this is a duo you kind of have to take year to year with LeBron's advanced age at this point as he is about to turn 37. So you just don't need uh, really good years LeBron has left. Davis is still young, so you're not worried about him. Um, you know, you they will have to use probably this year and next year. Trying to see who probably will be the next guy to pair with Davis going forward. But at least for the next, this upcoming year and maybe the next year, you know, these two should have the Lakers in championship talk, contention, and... Hey, isn't that kind of what you want out of your top duo? So, there you are. That is your list of, I guess, ranking the duos in the NBA. I don't really have too much to gripe about on the list. But, like I said, the beauty of it is it'll all play out on the court this year with its shortened offseason It will be interesting to see how some of these pairs with kind of more veteran players, how that maybe affects them. Because I feel like the younger duos should be fine. And, you know, maybe because of that, one of these younger teams can maybe do better starting off the year than maybe like a veteran-laden team. But we'll have to see. You know, we're getting closer. We are now... Was it six days away from the start of the season? And so yeah, your top duo, LeBron, Anthony Davis. I mean, they are the duo coming off a championship, so it only makes sense. Question is, can they repeat now? And I mean, all things considered, you would expect LeBron to be, I guess, at the top of his game this year. But you never know, because they always say father time, undefeated. But at least he has a guy in Davis who's more than capable of being the number one guy, at least as he's shown at times last year. But um, but yeah, I mean, thanks for tuning in. If you're new here, as I always say, you can check out the Facebook page, Chomping at the Bit. Follow it there. Um, You know, interact with the show there. Or you go to Twitter, at Chomping Podcast interact with the show there follow of course the show there as well on twitter i do put up polls periodically that kind of uh go with stuff i talk about on here uh you know for all of you out there i do have a current poll up right now where i ask where james harden will finish the year and probably on my i guess episode right before the season starts kind of give you the results of that poll and you know like I said see what people are saying but um but yeah and also wherever you are listening to this podcast as it is available on all I guess major uh, podcast platforms definitely hit the subscribe button would help out a lot if there's a place to leave a review definitely do that as well which you can also do on the Facebook page and 
on the Twitter page. Let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you would change. It's all fair game to me. But, um, but yeah, so uh, this wraps up day two of NBA week. Tomorrow, uh, we will talk a little football to start the show as there is a Thursday night football game. Let's have to re- review my picks real quick. But we will get into day three where we look at predictions for the Eastern and Western Conference standings. And I give you kind of what I think, whether I agree with them or not, which teams I would move up, move down. And probably give you the threats to win each conference going into the year. Kind of like a tier system. So definitely tune in for that tomorrow. But uh, thank you again. Be safe out there. Uh, God bless. And I'll definitely catch you on tomorrow night's episode. All right. This episode is made possible by PWC. When you put the right tech in the hands of the right people, good things happen. It powers change. It accelerates innovation. It keeps you a step ahead. Our community of solvers brings the right tech to drive real results. It all adds up to The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.